At the heart of everything we do is a human interaction. That may seem obvious as we're all humans, but we often forget this in business. When we start to introduce technology, things get a bit complex and we start seeing humans as numbers on a spreadsheet. I'm Ross Mangini, and on today's growth story, we're hearing from someone who's on a mission to help brands and people be more human. Charlotte Pierce is the founder and CEO of Inkpact. Inkpact send handwritten messages and gifts at scale, bringing delight and connection to the heart of business, using software and most importantly, real people. Yes, real people handwriting real letters at scale. One of Inkpact's mantras is to be unforgettable. Now to achieve this, Charlotte and her company have a very creative approach to almost every aspect of their business. So to start, I wanted to hear Charlotte's approach to getting investment. So here's Charlotte's investment story. We have lots of different investors. Uh, They're all angels and a couple of small funds. Um, but it's just a load of entrepreneurs, basically, that just backed mainly me to start with when there wasn't a business yeah, <laughs> necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now just our ethos and what we're all about. But yeah, I'm super fortunate. There's probably about five that I work with really closely. So I've got like the founder of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um, yeah, I saw that. Of Octopus, yeah, that is cool. Um, and yeah, a, a guy who was part of the privatization of the water industry and started the kind of renewable energy business in the UK. He's amazing. He's like yeah. my business dad. <laughs> um, and I can't a lot of them is like my friends as well as investors and sometimes I forget that they're investors and friends so I'm super fortunate to have them but yeah lots of angels that have all come from different industries how did you find them then um that's a very good question each one has a weird coincidental strange well that story. runs through a lot of your stories though, doesn't it <laughs> massively yeah. yeah and I'm a big fan of um when you know what you want in life or business and you kind of put it out to what I call the universe, like just like stuff happens, like things come to you. So whether yeah. it's, some people call it like the law of attraction or yeah. some people call it like the universe or whatever, or just luck or, um, but there's been lots of times where so like a lot of our investors were clients that I went and pitched to as a client and they happened to say, oh, are you doing any funding round at the exact moment I was doing a funding round? And then they came right, in yeah, yeah. on that. Um, a lot of our investors were people that I'd met just coincidentally at an event and told them what our mission is and they're like, where can I invest? Um, and then my first ever investor met me when I was doing an actus and some social enterprise work at university. Yeah. So he knew me before I started Inkpact or even had thought about Inkpact. And he said to me, I'll invest in you no matter what you start. So he was the first check <laughs> I needed cool. because he was just backing me. Um, so it's been a massive range from, uh, yeah, people that already knew me. Um, the best story was when I was in, um, I was at like a members club cause it was cheaper to get a membership there than it was to get an office space to start with. Right. And I saw an investor that I knew I'd seen him on panels and I saw him on the next table and I wrote him a note um, and just said, I think you'd really love my company. Um, I'd love to talk to you about investment, but he was in a meeting. So I gave it to the waitress to give to him. And I put at the end, like, PS, your next vino is on me. And he sent me an email, like almost instantly. So I had to leave to go to a meeting. So I was kind of like shaking. Like, oh my God, I was so cheeky. Um, and then I left and I got an email when I came out of my meeting with a smiley face. And that's all it said. So I responded, like, I think you got my note. And he was like, yeah, if you can hustle me like that, you can total, totally hustle your clients. Um, Amazing. The world is weird. I'm at your pitch day next week and I didn't realize that he'd been invited to a day that I was already pitching on I had no idea like 
and so I pitched and he went up and gave me a check as soon as I'd pitched so wow um yeah again a weird coincidence it is but it's that creative approach isn't it did did you write that why did you choose to do that why did you write the (laughs) handwritten note there um I guess it links to everything I talk about in my talks or the business which is like just being a little bit different and really personal and standing out like no one else had ever written him a note so and had the, I guess, <laughs> boldness to put it in his lap when he was doing a completely different meeting. Yeah. So I think it was just making us stand out and kind of saying, like, I'm so confident about this company and what we're all about. You don't know who the hell I am, but I'm going to give you this note anyway. And um, so it got his attention and the message I had inside came from the heart, I guess. And it was like, look, I love this company. This is our mission. I think you would as well. I think it was a mixture of being a bit bold and actually asking. And I think people don't ask enough in general. Yeah. Like I've always been taught from a really young age, just ask, 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 ask. And like, like just if, if you don't, like, I don't know if he's interested in us or not. The worst he could say is no. So just trying and being a bit cheeky. How are you, how are you taught from a young age? Um, My dad is amazing. And from about 14, I had to like, personal development books in my hand and he used to listen to achievers edge i think it was called i don't know if it's still around um on the on on tape which is how long ago it was um and when i was really young i used to be like dad turn that rubbish off and then i got to about 14 15 like dad do you want to put that achievers edge cd or tape on or whatever it was by that point yeah um and i just started listening to a lot about emotional intelligence a lot about psychology a lot about how you become the best um and just put yourself out there Mm. um and so I guess it was always in my brain. Even when I probably didn't want to listen to it, I was accidentally listening to it in the car. Um, I think that just set me up for from quite a young age running businesses and putting myself out there and not being scared to be, like, I hear the word no. And I think yeah. you can't be scared. Well, to that's it, isn't it? Because I was going to say, why do you think people don't ask more? Mm. But I guess a lot of it it's, is that. Yeah. It's, it's the fear. It's the fear rejection. of saying no, but also the fear that they'd look stupid or bad yeah. or that they were going to be wrong or all of that stuff and I think I'm still working on myself to try and get rid of those fears like the fear of looking bad or the fear of people not liking me is still a fear I have like I think every human being has I think it that's natural <laughs> yeah. to some degree but yeah. I try to now like I've been on a couple of courses and try and work a lot on myself which has been a theme of the business growth that the more I work on myself and the more I encourage the team to work on themselves the better the business does but the biggest challenge is always getting rid of that like fear of looking bad or doing something because you want to be liked rather than it's the right thing to do and that's the biggest one of the biggest struggles I've had is doing stuff just because I'm scared the team aren't going to like me or the clients aren't going to like me when actually it's not the right thing for the team or the client um sometimes you have to have hard conversations yeah Um, yeah so yeah and how do, how do you approach that? Because that's, uh, you know, that advice of not, well, of, of taking the knowledge of what people are going to say, but not letting that hold mm. you back. That, yeah, we, you know, we, we know that, we know that's the right thing to do. But like you yeah. said, in practice, actually, that, that could be really it's difficult. How do, you think, do, how do you do that? Have you got go-to mentors, books, um, oh, yeah. exercises? So, so much stuff. I think with the hard conversations piece, which is probably the longest lesson I've taken to learn, is and I'm still not got there quite um is I thought not having hard conversations meant that people were more likely to like me right and I d- that wasn't necessarily right, a yeah. conscious thought I was doing stuff not really realizing that actually the hard conversations what I should have and I thought that was for somebody else like I thought I was being nice because I didn't want to be horrible to this person right was your thinking yeah but actually let's say an employee doesn't do something 
and I don't I don't pick it up and don't give them feedback or the critical feedback they need they do it again and again then I end up firing them like six months down the line well that's not very nice is it so if I gave them the feedback in the first place and I had that hard conversation I could grow and develop and a piece of advice that I got around this was about treating them like a big person like they're an amazing person by not giving them the feedback you're not giving them the feedback they need to grow and develop it's actually not nice to be nice sometimes yeah yeah yeah. so and I'd kind of got it around the other way in my head so when I realized actually like giving direct feedback is really important for their growth and development then also there's the kind of like don't be an idiot rule like don't be mean (laughs) yeah I guess the key word is fair isn't it yeah to be fair but I um there's a book called radical candor which I love um, I think it's Kim Scott has written it and there's a TED talk and she talks about radical candor and particularly in the workplace. Um, and it was a transformational book for me to read because it's all about, you have to challenge directly, but care personally. And in the company you've always, and I've always been like, you just care about people. Like I care about the team a lot. And I sometimes confused caring with being nice. Yeah. And actually caring is not always being nice. Sometimes caring is is being like critical or like pushing someone. But if you don't care, you can't challenge because the moment you challenge, if you don't care about someone, then it just comes across like you're an idiot Mm. and you're being mean or whatever. But if you care and everyone in the company knows that and they feel like they're valued, then it doesn't matter how much you are critical of them. They know it coming from a good place. I think that's where some people have got it wrong and probably some people in my past have got it wrong. And I've always assumed, oh, if you're critical, you're mean, actually. I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah interesting you mentioned um you mentioned book you've got that you you kind of helped define that it it sounds like you read quite a lot how much do you (laughs) read (laughs) i've seen Um, some books on the table yeah there's lots um I've always been a massive reader um, and Audible has changed my life. Like I can fit more in now. You can put it on like 1.25 or two speed and I can read more. Um, I just love learning and growing in like loads of different areas. So um, yeah, like self-development books I've always loved, like business growth books I've always loved. I think the first book I ever read my dad gave me when I was again like 15 probably was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. classic. <laughs> that chestnut. Um, and it really started my like personal development journey off. Um, I probably read a couple of books a month, um, mostly through Audible now. And then podcasts have kind of slipped in as a, as a, another kind of form of learning. But like all of my friends will joke and the team here, I'm always either reading a book, listening to a podcast or at a course, like probably a couple of times a month, I'll be on a course of some kind learning. Something. Really? Yeah. 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 I just love it. Like, and I feel if I'm not growing and learning in some way, um, then I don't know. I feel like I'm not pushing myself and learning different topics. So yeah. yeah. How do you, this is like a personal question for me. How do you focus though on mm. the um, on the important things? Because I found because I'm exactly the same as you. Love learning yeah. podcasts, audio books, as like <laughs> soak it up like a sponge. Yeah. However, something I've found recently is like actually, am I am I reading too much? Mm-hmm. You know, because you could take on so many different yeah. books. And you get all these different perspectives and it's yeah. like, actually, how do you cut through to focus on the bit that you yeah. find important? I've actually stopped reading recently, like scaling hardcore business books, because I found that like conflicting advice actually confused me more. I yeah. wasn't able to just do like, what do I think? I actually forgot what I thought about stuff. So I've had to kind of change my tact on the types of books I read. So I'll do a lot more reading and courses around um, emotional intelligence and working on myself Mm. and like coaching and like therapy type books because I find at least then I can come to my own conclusions better like I found the more reading I do about me and how I work 
So it's more like, I guess, like self-exploration, self-discovery. Like, yeah. who am I? That means that I can run the business and be a better leader and be a better, a better kind of like team player or um, I can do my talks better. So actually my books have shifted. It used to be like, I started like think and grow rich type books. And yeah. now I guess I, I read more spiritual books a lot. Like I read more emotional intelligence books. Yeah, I yeah. read more books focused on, yeah, like leadership styles and figuring out how you work. So I think... Over time, my books have got, I want to say the word softer, but if you know what I mean, it's less hardcore scaling necessarily. Yeah, 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 I know um, what you mean. And, and more like finding out what type of person I am and what kind of leader I am. So I definitely found the same, like there was too much going in. Yeah, and, and it's very conflicting. It's, yeah, and I and same with podcasts, like I've gone everything from your type, Tim Ferriss, <laughs> like <laughs> podcast, all the way to like Oprah's Super Soul Sunday is my current favorite. Is it? <laughs> yeah, love it. And it's, di- and it's different, so I have to mix it up if I do too many business, then I get too stuck in that and there's too much. Then I have to swap it to something either more spiritual or something else yeah yeah, well it's like you said you're bringing out a podcast yourself yeah and it's not about the hardcore business side it's about the people behind that yeah exactly and like my biggest fascination is with people and how they connect with other people and why they do things and who they are what they stand for what their purpose is what their mission is like that i could talk to people about that for days um and so anything that is a podcast or a book that also talks about that i love yeah so that's kind of yeah, I can never get sick of people's stories. <laughs> I can listen to that forever. There's a presentation Charlotte gave recently where she talks about human psychology and in particular, ensuring Inkpack's offering connects with the six key human needs. Now, if you're interested, those needs are significance, certainty, growth, connection and love, variety and contribution. What I found interesting about this is firstly, the appreciation for human psychology within Inkpack's service. And secondly, the depth of thinking Charlotte goes to create a brand that really connects with people. I think it comes from a passion of mine and anyone we hire here, um, you know, all different skill sets, different backgrounds, they just love people. And I think that is one of the biggest skills you can't always teach. Like they're just curious and fascinated about people. And I've read like lots of books I'm into um, lots of courses around psychology just because I'm fascinated about how humans work. Yeah. Um, it's just so like deep and complex and everyone's different. And why do we love some brands and don't love other brands? And I just love the interaction between people. Um, and so I have a background in social enterprise and social impact just again, because I love people and looking at how you can get the most out of people. So Inkpact really came about because I was working with a group of people from different backgrounds that couldn't necessarily get a job and they wanted a source of income. And I was fascinated about how business, which I've started for many, many years, even in my bedroom, could help them actually turn their lives around, change their lives and be like a force for good. So that's all I've ever known business to be. But whilst doing that and growing Inkpact, I've realized the power that is when you understand people and what really drives them. And that's never changed. It doesn't matter how much AI you can, you know, understand or how much tech you can build. Human beings are human beings and they've been like that since we have ever existed. And if you look back at like tribes back in, you know, thousands of years ago, like we're the same, like not that much has changed. And I think people get really complicated with that all of the stuff that humans are and all of this customer analysis and actually forget the fundamentals of what we want. So the six human needs is an amazing way of looking at, um, actually that was about like relationships and a fulfilled life. And I found a lot in looking at 
like I've read books on relationships um like and a lot of them started romantic relationships kind of advice and actually I'm like that's the same in business so I'm trying to bring in concepts in psychology that have been done in personal development world to look at yourself and actually bring that in to help businesses look at their customers so I'm really excited about the prospect to bring in like psychology a bit of spirituality and um, kind of like social impact together into business rather than having them as separate things. So yeah, that's what we're all about here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what, so just give some more information if you could on, on your, the social enterprise side. Why is, why have you always been business for good? Why is mm. that instilled in you? Um, that's a good question. Um, I was thinking about this recently, like where did it ever come from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my dad is a... Was it on those tapes? <laughs> probably, somewhere. Well, my dad, I was thinking about this recently and our upbringing has a lot to do with our parents um, as well. So my dad's always been in the business world, mainly in kind of corporate life for a long time and then more recently in his own business. But my mom has always worked in a charity and as a young kid, um, she worked in a school for kids with Down syndrome. And so I was always there and they're just pe- they're people like you you or I they just yeah. um have to have like yeah slightly extra help and I just didn't see them as any different from anyone else and couldn't understand why other people did and I think just being around that growing up just loving people no matter who they were what background they were from like I would talk to people way older than me when I was younger and my parents would be like what she's always hanging around older kids I just I've always loved people <laughs> so I think when I then found that social enterprise and social impact was a thing I was kind of like well it shouldn't be a thing because it shouldn't need to be its own thing yeah, yeah. and I'm really passionate about that hopefully one day soon there shouldn't be social impact all businesses just do good um so I guess it probably stems from my parents but when I did an actus and I saw the power you could have so we started a project called Sanico when I was the um kind of CEO president of and just and just quickly what an is an actus so it's uh, an actus is a social enterprise organization it's actually a global charity but um each different university around the UK and around the world uh, students set up social businesses um so they have to be commercially viable, but have a social need. Yeah. So you bring together different departments in the university. So we had some engineering students and business students and you set them up in a team. Um, we actually had 13 businesses as part of our um, Anatta Southampton. And you basically, you look at different groups of people. So it might be ex-military in the UK, or it might be people over in Africa that are looking for a source of income and you help build businesses that help them. Um, but it all has to be done in an empowering way. So you don't just give them a business. You teach them how to run their own business. Right. And um, it's kind of like that phrase, you teach a man to fish um, <laughs> and he fish for a day. So it's like, actually, like let's teach them how to run their own company. So um, we started a business called Sanico, uh, which is still running today under a different name. Um, and I kind of sit as a trustee on that charity. But it's where we build toilets out of recycled materials so we'd came up with a toilet design we then taught entrepreneurs in kenya how to build the toilets um just from things they found on the street or things they could buy really easily from local markets and they build a toilet they teach the village how to use the toilet rather than going in the streets so they clean up the waste from the streets yeah, yeah. they then take the human waste turn it into fertilizer using some cool high uh quite quite kind of um what's the word like complicated technology but quite simply executed when you know how into fertilizer and then they sell it to local farmers and i think awesome. it's a bit of a moment where you're like whoa hang on if we can take rubbish off the streets and turn human take human waste off the streets and create a business like yeah. there's no limit <laughs> to what you yeah. can do in life and then we impacted like thirty thousand people and i just after that was like i can i can't understand running a business that didn't have some kind of social impact in some way it seems a waste of the power of business if you can't do good with it. So it's just been instilled in me ever since, I think. 
Yeah. And so how's that followed through now into ink pack? So mm. what's the social impact there? Yeah. So um, we do, obviously we've got a group called our scribe tribe who physically handwrite letters and note cards um, for our clients. Um, and we don't care what background they're from. So we never look at their CV. Um, we don't look at, you know, if they've got a degree, not got a degree, where they come yeah, from, their yeah. background. And so we naturally attract people that maybe are recovering from different illnesses. Um, a lot of stay-at-home mothers that don't that can't leave the house because they've got kids. Um, and we've had people that have been homeless previously um, and they're like, they're looking to find an income um, mm. to sustain their life. Um, and so... For us, it's really about you don't have to have a nine to five job. And a lot of these people can't or don't want to, um, but they can earn an income from home. Yeah. Uh, and then as part of the tribe, we do little challenges. So we've just done a video on how you become a freelancer, like tax, how you set it up, just trying to help them like use use writing as a way to earn money so that they can do whatever they want to do so whether yeah, start a business yeah, yeah. or be creative and we try and assist them with that so we've got a lot of skills in our team so we'll run like webinars with them and we'll try and help them wherever possible to, yeah that's yeah, awesome do whatever they want to do next amazing how did you how did you start this the scribe tribe and, and mm. grow that because it's quite a I imagine one of the biggest challenges you've got in scaling is getting more people to the Scribe Tribe. But actually, I've also yeah. been on the website and it's really awesome. You know, <laughs> immediately it was like, I, I know five people that would yeah. love that. Interestingly, because to start with, I thought, hang on, I've got to build a community of clients and a community of writers. Exactly. Like, this is going to be hard. Actually, the clients are harder than the writers, weirdly. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Um, back quite early in uh, Inkpad's journey, we had a lot of press around um us we're like a, quite a different company we're a tech mm. company but the end product is handwritten we have a community we have people in a community from different backgrounds it kind of sparked a lot of interest it was very different so we had a couple of articles and we had to close down the applications for scribe tribe members because really? we just couldn't take them all and um, but obviously as the company grows then we get more and then we have to put people on a wait list again but how it started actually was i was um at a uh, a friend of mine uh, a friend of the family ran a company called action coach and uh, they were struggling to contact busy CEOs. They had a B2B marketing strategy, one of which was actually handwritten letters that, that they promoted okay. writing. Yeah. Um, but the guys were then saying, so there's about six of them around a table. And I was there just to learn how to run your own business. I actually wasn't there in any capacity to help. <laughs> and then they were saying they really struggled to write more than 10 um, and they couldn't find a service to do it for them. And I was at the time working in Anaptis with these 30,000 people across the world going, hang on, all these people want an income and you're wanting to outsource something. There must be a way to do it. Yeah. And, and I just kind of, without really realizing how I was going to do it, just said, oh, I'll do it. Thinking I'd write the first lot of letters. Um, my handwriting is really bad. Like it's a joke. It's hilarious how bad my writing is <laughs> considering I have a handwriting company. Your, yeah. um, but I actually did do was meant that I never did the writing. The first campaigner started to write and uh, someone, someone in my family was like, can you read this? And they were like, no. So my cousin actually wrote the first uh, campaign because um, she was around at the weekend. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she's still in part of our scribe tribe today, which is great. Um, but it started with saying, actually, yeah, I have to outsource this initially the first lot to my cousin. But when we got the results back from the first campaign, we then went, now I can build a tribe so it started off with just five students who wanted to earn some extra money yeah and because i wanted to test the model before we did put any different vulnerable groups um into the tribe and then it worked and worked and grew and now we've got over 200 probably nearly 300 uh, members of the tribe now so yeah Amazing. it's grown and developed um pretty quickly but we never like you said people know five people they could 
put forward yeah. for the tribe. So we don't ever struggle. To, you don't struggle to, to get people anyone. in. Yeah. What yeah. about like the kind of tech and the process behind it? Mm. You know, because as you grow, as I get to like 300 people, it becomes a lot harder to manage, not just taking them on, but the training of them. Yeah. Um, invoicing, you yeah. know, quality of what their output is because yeah. that's your product. So how how, do, how has that changed as you've grown? Yeah. Well, when we started, we were not a tech company at all. <laughs> it was me, a spreadsheet, and I used to physically it's like an take... anti-tech company yeah. at the start. <laughs> Literally, we used to, I used to drop off into the library at university, like a handful of paper. The writers would write them and give them back to me, like no tech. I might have had a spreadsheet, like that's the most it got. Yeah. Now we've got APIs and systems and OCR technology and all kinds of crazy stuff. But basically, um, just like uh, a lot of sharing economy type companies out there, um, Deliveroo, for example, is one of them, very different from us, but a similar model. Like yeah. someone orders something and a physical person does something. It works in a similar way. So a client will place an order on our platform let's say they've got 100 note cards they pay online they design their stationery they upload everything when they press you know buy effectively online that then sends a notification to every writer in that category um so we've got different types of handwriting yeah they then get sent the stationery which is their their brand's personal stationery to their home they handwrite every single one with a fountain pen they then take a photo of every single one um every single every single page yeah so then that gets uploaded to our platform goes through quality assurance. So we've developed something called OCR technology. So it's a technology that's out there and it takes, you take a photo of your writing and it turns the handwriting into text. Now what we've developed is that text then matches the text that the client has put onto the platform. If there's a mistake, it will circle it in red. And so the team here can see it flags up saying writer X has a mistake and then it'll tell them to rewrite it. And they only get paid for the ones that are past quality pass assurance. That, right. um, in terms of training, um, yeah, we've got more sophisticated as time has gone on. We used to do physical training where we used to teach people how to write the letter in person. But obviously as we've scaled and we have writers in Cornwall and Scotland and all over in, in the US as well now, we can't do that. So we do... Um, there's like a manual then there's online training and they do little tests just to show us that they've got good writing when they apply to be a writer so they have to go through the first quality assurance process just to show us they've got good writing then we train them and then every single job since then gets uh, quality assured so we're really strict on quality because it's our clients brands at the end of the day and so it's the biggest thing it took us a long time to build that technology (laughs) I was gonna say yeah what was that process like in actually implementing it and and finding it you know how how did you yeah It was, it was, it's still growing and evolving and learning. And now we've got machine learning technology on the OCR so that um, it learns people's handwriting. So it's getting more and more advanced every time. Okay, yeah. um, but which is crazy because everyone looks at us, obviously a handwriting company, but we're also a tech company. So it's yeah. this bit of a crazy world. And I imagine, um, do they get the, if when they upload their photos of their work, does, mm-hmm. how, how long does it take for them to understand whether it's passed or not? Um, yeah, so at the moment it really varies, but we're trying to get it down to instant. So mm. we're developing yeah. a technology where they can hover the phone over and it's instantly tells them if it's passed or not. Right. We're not quite there yet. Um, so we started off just uploading and then someone would manually check and now the system guides the manual check but it still has to go to a person at the moment um to just double check the machine um but eventually the machine will learn so much that it won't need a person to check this end so Beatrice who runs that part of our community can focus on adding value to the community in other ways so she started a book club with them and the more time she's doing quality assurance the less time she's doing the extra stuff with the community nice touches. So, yeah. yeah exactly so we'd rather she was doing book clubs and helping with workshops and things for them and um, so we're trying to get the machine to learn and build the technology as yeah. we yeah I was actually going to raise the book club because it's 
I must say, just like when you start looking into the brand, every, mm-hmm. every, it feels like every touch point, you know, it's kind of what you're about. You talk about delighting mm-hmm. the end customer and things. And it's like all those little touch points are those those nice moments that you do things slightly differently. Mm. So, and, and even to the part where it's actually on your scribe tribe, like all of you, like you said, the, the communication is good. You started a book club. Mm. It, is, where, where is that approach come from? Is that just kind of, as we said before, your philosophy almost of, mm. of just taking such an interest in people? I think, yeah. And just, I know how nice it is personally. If someone like writes me a little note or sends me something really thoughtful or just does something really thoughtful. And I'm all just about um, kind of like leading with love and just doing the right thing and just being really thoughtful to people. Like There's no harm in it whatsoever. And yeah. in fact, like it's just, it creates this great positive energy between people. And so it's just trying to wherever possible, just do something because it's the right thing and because it's fun. And actually that's good business as well. And so, I mean, and sometimes we're not, you know, as a company ourselves, we check ourselves going, oh, we haven't done as much delight as we should do. Like you get stuck in the day-to-day of yeah, business, yeah. but wherever possible, bringing it back to there's a customer, there's a real person on the end of this transaction. We're trying to build a self-serve platform, but at the same time, there's still a human being there and that's what we're all about. So I, you know, it's just trying to be thoughtful. And one of our strap lines is be unforgettable, which is all about, you know, if you do the right thing and you do it in a real meaningful way, like how you make someone feel stays with them forever. Like, but so why don't we go with feeling rather than just putting content at them? Like, why don't we make them feel and experiences? So in human psychology, if you look at all of it, it's all around like experiences and making someone feel something in connection. Yeah. It's never just going to be about shoving content or <laughs> doing yeah, stuff that doesn't yeah, yeah. make them feel anything. So just using that basic psychology principle actually if we want to have the most impact on people it should be on how they feel and how they feel about our brand and do we help them grow and develop and learn and are they inspired by what we do and just by going with those simple stuff um hopefully the messages that we communicate also inspire other companies and other people to do the same so we do quite a lot of the random acts of kindness and just right okay. just trying to inspire people to do positive good news stories <laughs> and stuff like that because there's just too much just kind of crap in the world too and you, know, you only have to turn on your news to kind of be like oh my yeah, god it's all doom and gloom 100%. but actually like the world's amazing people are amazing and let's celebrate that and do <laughs> and do good fun positive stuff yeah um, definitely so yeah that's where it comes from. It's amazing. And okay, what, what you talk about making people feel. Mm. What about when you're trying to win business? How do you approach that? Talk, mm. You know, talking about how you're going to scale up now and, and what mm. your growth plans. How do you um, adopt that same principle with actually onboarding new clients and getting in front of new people? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, back to the beyond forgettable, doing something differently. I mean, and, and p- truly personal, like, you know when coke put the names on bottles like the world went mental and yeah. all it was is a name on a bottle and that's just because it made you feel special because your name was on a bottle it's not yeah. at all rocket science and just understanding i think when you understand people and what makes them tick actually that's a great way to get in the door in business but just being a bit different i think there are so many of the psychology principles that i've learned from like relationships or they've been talking about something different i'm like why is that separate from business mm. why have we put business in a box to the side somewhere yeah, yeah. where you suddenly do business differently than how you'd make a friend 
um, why is business a serious thing over here that you have to do in this professional way? Whereas you'd never do that with your friends and family. And it's kind of like, why is there such a big divide? hundred percent. I always get fascinated when people talk about B2B versus B2C. Yeah. And it's like, it's well, people are still people yeah. at the end of the day. I always Bye. talk about this human to human. There's no such thing as B2B, B2C. Um, it's like, there's still a person, even in business, um, business to business sales is still a person and they still have likes and dislikes. They still have quirky habits. They're still vulnerable. They still yeah. like are scared of some stuff in life. And, and I think that, I, we try and tell our like our clients from a friend to a friend, stop putting these corporate words in stuff that no one wants to hear or like these huge presentations full of just stuff that no one really cares about. It's like, just keep it simple. Like key messages, like what is the point of doing something? What is your purpose? And just keep bringing it back to that and then making it fun. Like no one wants to be around a company that's boring. <laughs> like yeah. no one. And then I think trying to tell like banks and certain organizations, come on, be more fun. It's, it's more challenging exactly. sometimes because yeah. of regulations. But I do think that it's just person to person. Just just drop the corporate BS. Like it's just not needed anymore. Um, and just tr- treat people like they're people. Um, and then you're going to get in the door. And we, I was trying to pitch a big FMCG, like one of the biggest ones in the world. Um, and I ended up just someone said, oh, can you come and just talk at a lunch we're doing? And I literally just really informally stood up at this lunch, told them the story of Inkbat, told them like what my mission was, told them all about Anatis and what I did and why I think social business is good. Um, and we got the biggest contract we've ever got <laughs> off that really informal lunch. Amazing, and yeah. it was just a group of directors who wanted a bit of, I guess, entertainment over lunch. <laughs> and I was just the entertainment. Um, but I think it was just, and I asked them like, what, like, why, how did we do, how did this just happen? And they were like, no, people would come in with a huge pitch deck and pitch, blah, blah. You just told us why you started your company and we totally buy into what you're doing. Mm. So I think it's just not over corporatizing stuff. And just really treating people like they're people, no matter what industry you're in. Yeah, keeping it simple, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, for sure, yeah. Did you feel, though, even if we take that one example, did you feel any type, was there a conf- conflict within your approach is thinking, actually, because I'm going to a big FMCG company, mm. actually, maybe I should go and tailor it more towards their tune? No, I think... Um, because I'm, I'm sure a lot yeah. of people would do exactly that. Yeah. They think, oh, I'm talking to a creative company today, so we'll give a real creative pitch. Mm. Actually, I'm talking to a, a, a bank today, so we'll go in on I their lines. You can tweak it a little bit, but as long as... So I think when I went in there, um, I was talking about the journey, and I did mention like two or three companies we worked with, because I'm going to try and mention that I have we have worked with other companies, and I wanted to show them that we had. Um, so I guess there's still an element of selling in a way. It was just such a soft way of selling yeah that it wasn't putting it in one's face like buy this this is exactly what we do i was just telling a story um and part of that story was we've worked with certain clients um so i think you have to you have to show you what you do is a value and sometimes to do that you're going to have to say who you've worked with or something that yeah is of kind course of salesy, yeah, but yeah. as i think it's the way it was delivered and the fact it came from the heart and this is just our story this is what we're all about um meant that it didn't come across like a sales pitch um at all and it was really simple and it had some key messages and even if they'd have just gone away going oh we need to look at our our business more socially that would have kind of been great but actually we got a a client out of it so yeah I think sometimes not having forcing that end result of a client and actually just telling a story is probably the best way to get the client (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. well telling us telling a story is interesting you know because just even now 
we've been talking for what 30 minutes and there's mm. like you've told so many stories yeah <laughs> so you know the art of telling a good story is what yeah. comes across in a good pitch isn't yeah. it yeah and again like i keep referring back to like tribes like we used to sit around in tribe all we do is tell stories and we haven't changed very much we love stories yeah um that's why soap operas it's ingrained do so well. into us <laughs> yeah it's just and it always will be like that will never change mm. and so if you can master the art of one looking at yourself and your life and two master the art of storytelling i think you're you're a win for whatever business you then yeah start yeah. or grow I get the impression that you obviously are very, very creative. The business is creative. Do you ever come up with some crazy ideas <laughs> and actually then you go down that route and you realize actually that, that was a complete, you know, that was not yeah. the right way to go. And, and how, do you, how do you, do, how do you um, counteract mm -hmm. <laughs> almost being over creative yeah. and not kind of sticking to what's working? Oh yeah, totally. All the time. Um, like coming in, I've read this book, I've seen this, we're going to do this so now. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I'm sure like me and my co-founder Andrew are properly yin and yang. He's very like logical, <coughs> process driven. He's, he runs the tech and right. I'm kind of creative ideas kind uh -huh. of stuff. And he definitely keeps me in check with too many ideas. So I think having someone around you that can be the yin to your yang is also very important because I think otherwise you'd have probably been gone in a million directions. But yeah, there was a wedding invite <laughs> um, landing page that came up <laughs> once, which we have dropped. Um, and yeah, just like, I could come up with a million different angles to ink fact, like totally. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge B2C angle that, that I'm sure someone is doing or someone will do. Mm. Um, but you really just have to keep referring back to it. And we've gone off tangent and gone, hang on, why do we exist again? Uh, and have to pull it back. Um, yeah. Because yeah. Um, we are all just an excited bunch and we, we love what we do. So sometimes you have to go, oh, hang on, no, this is the core of what we're doing. And yeah. we have to say no to stuff. Like we might start something and actually be like, nope, we shouldn't do that. We should change and do something else or just be really honest when things haven't mm. worked. But yeah, totally. Like I, so many different ideas. But I think if you write a mission statement and like what your purpose is as a company and um, just checking back in with it and going, actually, is that on our, is that something we should be doing or not? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's been times when the company have built stuff hasn't worked <laughs> have you did you have that purpose and that mission quite early on was it quite easy for you to define that or was it a, a process of you know discovery and experimentation mm, it's definitely evolved massively yeah um i think from a brand side it's evolved more so i always knew that inkpad would have a community of writers and that was at the core of the business what we were offering for clients has evolved over time more and actually what we've offered for writers has evolved more but i think the journey to seeing our value to clients and what our purpose is for clients is different mm. now than maybe when it started. Um, we started very much as a B2B way to get in the door for companies. And actually now we talk a lot about psychology and connection and behavior. And um, I did a talk yeah. the other day on happy humans, which has nothing directly related to marketing or letters. It was just how as human beings, when we're happier, we do better work, do better in the world yeah, and actually yeah, how yeah. that's better for business. And that's not directly related. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think we're all about um, the human touch here and doing things in a really personal way and developing ourselves. And therefore we want to share that knowledge to our clients as well. Yeah. So I think the purpose has really got broader in some respects uh, as a whole company but our mission for the scribe tribe has stayed exactly the same since day one which is um the initial phrase i used was to help move people's lives forward through writing and um, 
and that that kind of, that stays the same so yeah, yeah we've now got a global community of um uh, of creative humans that, that are able to earn money from their own homes and move their lives forward but actually it's gone beyond writing we do more than just writing with them now and um, but the core has stayed stayed the same so i think it is constantly evolving but the core of having people and a community at the heart of it has stayed the same from has always been one. there yeah yeah so when you had the idea for ink pact and, and you you said you joined those two dots and said why is no one in this space mm. that was that was purely your idea was it yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> how did the story come about with Andrew as your co-founder? Yeah, so that was actually a couple of years later. So I started Inkpact as a bit of a lifestyle business um, when I was still at university. Yeah. Um, and then when I graduated, I started it as a little bit of a project, I guess, on the side. And then I became an entrepreneur consultant. I don't even really know what that means, <laughs> but I needed some money <laughs> to live and not have to move home. Um, and so I went into brands and I helped them either with social impact or I helped them set up new businesses or I'd just challenge the way they were doing stuff or launching products internally and they'd pay me, which was great. Right. Um, and and what, so, what, what were they after then? Your innovation and different new just, approach? I literally just asked why. And <laughs> honestly, we just sit around some tables and be like, why the hell are you doing it that way? Like, why are yeah, you spending so much no. money? Why don't you just go speak to your customer? Like really wasn't groundbreaking stuff. Um, and I was just the the new, like, I guess, full of energy millennial um that cared a lot about social good yeah. at the table. And I mm. think that was just different to who they were around the table. Yeah. And it just, they kind of paid me for that difference of opinion, which was great because it meant I could start the company. Um, but I started it, yeah, very lifestyle, no tech. And it was only when I then moved to London on the New Entrepreneurs Foundation program that I decided that the best impact I could have is if it used tech for clients, but then it was people in the community. Yeah. So I was I needed to leverage tech and people, but I have no technical experience whatsoever. Um, and on the program was Andrew, um, and he was head of product at a, a B2B SaaS company. Um, and it's when I was brainstorming the idea with him, I think it was over a bottle of wine one evening, I was like, can you just, I'll buy you dinner if you come and help me work out what the product needs to look like. Um, he quit his job the next day and then came and joined me. Really? Um, so effectively, <laughs> when we relaunched Inkpact as a as the company it is now, um, uh, he came on board as the effectively as the co-founder of that tech company. Um, so yeah, so initially started very different from what it is now, but mm. the, the same principles, but no tech whatsoever. And that cohort on that program, mm. that's obviously massively influential in shaping yeah. where it is today yeah yeah huge the, the program is amazing again it's a charity um, and it helps uh, entrepreneurs think much bigger so a lot of people come in with a lifestyle business or an idea or just I want to be an entrepreneur someday yeah. um, and it's a like an accelerator but for yourself so you don't have to have a business idea you can just want to start a business one day okay. and what it does is it helps you take your view of like a okay, I want to grow this little company into I want to grow this global, world-changing company. Yeah, and I've met some of the most incredible people. So like the founder of Skyscanner, I got to sit down with and brainstorm ideas with, and actually one of our investors is the first trustee of that. Like it's all right, just spiraled yeah. from there, and it really helped me build a brand, my own personal brand presence in London. I'm not from London. I'm from Birmingham. I had no idea about <laughs> the London tech scene yeah. at all, and um, and now I'm talking in like on like panels like women in tech and um and trying to understand like trying to teach people how you grow a tech company but also how you build a company in the ecosystem of london is like a minefield so they really helped me navigate that and obviously i found andrew so yeah, yeah. it was a great program 
A massive part of growing a business is the ability to first grow your own thinking. There's a great quote from Henry Ford that you've probably heard, which goes, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're probably right. When Charlotte started Inkpact, she viewed it as more of a lifestyle business. Now clearly over time this has changed and it has grown to where it is today. Her thinking changed. I'm interested to find out her take on how this process happened. How did she elevate her thinking and overcome her own self-limiting beliefs? I remember the exact day I wanted to take the business from a lifestyle business to like a, a large tech company across the world. It was the 7th of January, probably about four or five years ago. And I was sitting in a horrible office in Southampton. It was raining. And you know, one of those days where you're just like, it's January, it was miserable, yeah, it was grey. Yeah. And I was sitting there <laughs> picking up the phone after I'd sent some letters like cold calling. And I was like, I just ran a social enterprise, like 30,000 people, a team of 150 people. Like I was around people all day. It was buzzing. It was great. I had a great network to suddenly being on my own in like a tiny office in the engineering building of the university. And I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. Who am I impacting right now? No one. Like, what is the point? Like, this is crazy. Um, and I just said, enough is enough. Like, this has to be bigger than this. Um and then that day, someone tweeted me about the New Entrepreneurs Foundation. And then I looked at what they did and, and I was like, wow, this is the exact kind of confidence I need. Like, I don't understand the tech scene. I don't really understand London. I don't understand how this works. So someone tweeted so, you, you didn't search for that. No, right. someone tweeted me. Again, the universe is amazing. Exactly yeah. when you need it, that exact day. Um, so yeah, so I just kind of went, oh, I'm just going to apply, got through and was like, wow. Like, And yeah, it kind of spiraled from there. So that was the but I hadn't thought about how I could make it bigger. So the best kind of lesson I've had is surrounding yourself with people who think really big too, because it's yeah. so easy. Like I pride myself in general on thinking big, but I still get stuck in moments where I'm not thinking big enough because you can't see it from where you are sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was only recently when I was, so we got onto the mayor of London's like business program, where it's talking about like internationalizing your business. And I, again, like, again, I'd got stuck in this. We're in the UK. We're growing in the UK. That's great. That's it, yeah. Hadn't thought about the US. And it was only when I'd, um, I did a trip to Madrid and I did a couple of presentations out there and they loved it. And again, I went to France and they loved it. And it's like, oh, wow. Like, I I forgot myself. I talk about thinking big and yet there's this whole world out there that... That you're not um, going after. Yeah, yeah. But we built it to grow internationally. Like, we built it so you could have writers in any country. Um, and so I had to check myself again and go, hang on, this isn't big enough. Like, how can we make sure we nail the UK market, but at the same time, are thinking globally. Um, and that was only around by being around people who are also thinking globally that I got that. So I think who you surround yourself with is so important, um, massively in kind of the types of conversations you're having to how mm. big you can think as a person. As yeah. Well. And you actually have coaches, don't you? In yeah, specific a areas. Lot, a lot of coaches. It's a bit of a running joke. <laughs> yeah. I have a, <laughs> I have a life coach right. who is amazing. Um, and I just, I yeah, don't know how I would live life without her. Like I haven't had a coaching session for three weeks. I've been on holiday and I'm like desperate to have a coaching <laughs> session. <laughs> so excited. Um, I have a presenting coach, um, who helps me with like, yeah videos online um and uh <laughs> on stage I then have like a nutritional herbal coach <laughs> who helps me just with like looking after myself and make yeah. sure I have the most energy I recently have a PT have a physical coach <laughs> um I've done quite a lot of psychotherapy in general and done a lot of emotional intelligence training um 
Yeah, I have a lot. I probably have more if I think about it. That's a lot of coaches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think and the best kind of like visual I can think of is like, yeah, you've got like a whale. You're trying to do, they're big, but at the end, you're trying to do something big. You just can't do it on your own. Um, and obviously the team here, like a lot of them coach me. I coach them like it's a team effort. Yeah. I can't do it without them and they couldn't do it without me. And in the same way, like a whale can't live in the sea on its own. Like it has to have fish that like, live on it and eat off it and like it's an ecosystem <laughs> yeah. right you can't the whale can't exist on its own um and so i always use that like we can't i can't grow a huge company on my own just on your own yeah, yeah. and so i have to have these people around me um and so it took me quite a long time to learn um that i that i'm not a superhero i can't do everything <laughs> and i yeah. think uh the best thing that i've learned to do is to coach other people too so I love coaching and developing the team. Like my job here really is just chief coach. So I need to make sure they're getting the most out of themselves and they're developing themselves. And if I'm doing that, then I'm doing a good job. Mm. Um, and every coach needs a coach. So it should always spiral upwards. Even like the best athletes in the world, they have a coach. A coach, yeah, of course. So, and what does it look like in reality in terms of time with that coach mm. and, and agreements and structure? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Is it someone <laughs> just to call on or do you meet rigidly? Or yeah. um, My life coach, I meet, um, I actually Skype her. She's based in Wales. Um, she is actually, uh, I'll tell you a bit about her because it's fascinating. She is a shaman, but she's also uh, an NLP master practitioner. She's an emotional intelligence absolute guru. She's written books about it. She coaches teachers in schools um, on how to to deal with kids, especially yeah, ones yeah. that are maybe a bit more troubled than others. Um, and she's just, I met her on a juice retreat. Um, <laughs> she's just incredible. <laughs> and she runs her own company and she's actually been into training the team here on emotional intelligence. Cool. Um, she just keeps me like asking myself the hard questions about life. Um, I have a call with her probably every other week, like scheduled. But then there are some days where I'm like, I just need to talk to you. I've got this thing. I don't know how to make this decision. I'm going in circles or yeah. I'm just having a crap day. Help. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll do a two hour session or an hour and a half session uh, pretty much every other week. Um, sometimes once a week, depending on what's happening. Yeah. Um, presenting coaches like uh, every month we probably do half a day or at least a couple of hours on something that I'm working on. But it'll be like, I'm about to go on the BBC. Can you help me prep for tomorrow as well? So it's yeah, quite informal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I try and keep things as regular like as possible, um, not just to have the coaches when I need them, because actually a lot of the time you don't know that you need them. You just need them. Yeah, <laughs> and it's hard true. to see. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. You mentioned speaking quite a lot. How are you mm. seeking speaking gigs and using that as a, as a tool to, to grow mm. your business? Um, I love speaking, <laughs> first of all. I, I do it all day, every day. So if anyone wants me to speak, happy to speak anyway. Um, no, I, uh, I think I just started doing it because I loved it. And then people in the audience would be like, oh, I've got something coming up. Would you come and speak? And then it escalated. Yeah. And a lot of it has been inbound, but I have recently just got a speaking agent, um, but only in the last like month or so, um, whose job it is to represent me effectively yeah. as a speaker. Um, but... But yeah, I think I've just, I've been at events and been like, oh, it'd be really cool to speak here and just ask, hey, do you need any speakers? And quite often they're like, yeah, that'd be great. Mm. Um, but a lot of the time I get loads of requests through LinkedIn or Twitter or social media who's either someone's seen me at an event or seen the, a picture of me at an event. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so it has, it's been really unorganized until now. I mean, now I have an agent, it's more organized. It's yeah. their job <laughs> to organize yeah, it. Yeah, you hope so. Um, <laughs> But um, like I love telling stories and I think that 
um, that's the best way to communicate to people. And if they take one tiny piece of advice about either social business or being more thoughtful back into their business, then we've made the world a slightly better place. Yeah. And it's all, our messages are all really positive. And so hopefully by doing more talks, I can have more impact on those people who can then go and create more impact. So the more talks yes. I can do, the more people I can reach, the better um, I think the world can be if we can all start these positive messages going. Yeah, and you think there's because there is that value behind that sits behind everything you do, like mm. making the world better, more human yeah. interaction. You and know, just positive. Th- th- but there's actually a purpose there as opposed to it just being a business for the sake of it and every speaking yeah. gig is just how you can advertise your business yeah. effectively. Yeah, and so I, lo- I I never go to a speaking gig as Inkpads either. Like if we get clients, that's great, but that's never really the reason to do them. Mm. Um, and it's kind of, I just love it if someone went and looked at their life a bit differently or they came away going, actually, what would make me happy is this. Or they'd go, actually, I'm going to do some random acts of kindness for people. That would mean like my job's done. (laughs) I did what I'm supposed to do on stage. If they want to be a client of Inkpact, great. Uh, But if I came away with no clients, it doesn't doesn't really matter. Like I still love doing it and we're spreading the positive message. So um, yeah, so I kind of would, I think it's, I think just telling stories is great. And I think hopefully... Um, myself and whenever the team do any talks we do talks a bit differently and again standing out and being a bit different is not your usual talk a lot of the time I'll get people to do like really self-reflecting exercises about why they exist in the world (laughs) and people are like whoa this isn't your normal business talk (laughs) at a marketing conference asking them to think about what their purpose is not their company's purpose sometimes it's quite profound for people and I have people coming up to me after being like I never thought about what my purpose is i only do what the company's purpose is yeah so so yeah i think i try and blur the lines between personal development and business a lot um and i think that's good for business but also it's hopefully helping people live happier lives yeah it's a great approach it's being unforgettable isn't it yeah exactly exactly so what does the future hold then for impacts oh great question who knows where's my crystal ball um no (laughs) i um i think for us it's just how can we scale in a really sustainable way and keep true to who we are and keep our community growing and the value from our community and the value for our clients? So um, it's it's really about how can we work with more and more brands because the more brands we work with, the more writers we can bring on board, the more writers we can bring on board, the more impact we can have. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of spirals. So for us, it's just keep delivering an, an unforgettable service, hopefully to our customers, yeah. make it even easier to so get the tech to be easier and easier so that companies can work with us. Um, we've just launched a Salesforce app. Okay. So inside of the CRM system, you've got a call and an email button like in every CRM system. And you can download our app and then also have an ink pad. So you can send a letter or a note card um, and more recently gifts as well. So we found that... Um, the gifting market can be a bit stale, especially corporate gifting. Mm. I mean, no one wants a pen with a logo on it anymore. Like it's yeah, a bit done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one wants that. Um, so we're all about thoughtful gifting, thoughtful, sustainable. Um, a lot of the times we work with social enterprises that provide products or we work with sustainable gifters. Um, and so we're making that all accessible from inside of your CRM system where your data is held. So you can set up automatic triggers. So if someone hasn't brought for you for six months, so. send them an automatic camera to note that goes out. Interesting, um, yeah. uh, really personal to them and you can add a super personal gift. So we're trying to make it even more accessible via tech, but to have the same impact um, as well. So I guess they are the big things are the Salesforce app um, and corporate gifting launching as well. So making it more personal and less corporate part of corporate gifting yeah 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 okay and um let's want to ask you two two last questions Mm. and um what do you wish you'd known when you started out 
great question um how much i'd get in my own way <laughs> um i think you're uh yeah i think um like our own limiting beliefs and yeah. stories we tell ourselves about stuff like oh this isn't possible or i guess it links to the earlier question about thinking big i didn't realize how much um how emotionally hard it is running a company. Like everyone tells you it's hard, but I thought it was hard from a way of like skills and problem solving. And, yeah, and, and that is hard, but nowhere near as hard as like the emotional, um, you know, like I, there's a lot, I care deeply about the team and about people. And actually sometimes they're not going to do their job properly and people do leave companies and things go wrong. And actually I don't think I quite realized how, how hard that was. Yeah. Um, and so I wish that from an even younger age, I started more work on myself, like understanding who I am, how I work, dropped a bit of the judgment about people liking me, that kind of stuff. Um, Because I was doing things maybe for the wrong reasons at the start of the company. Whereas now it's like, okay, is it the right thing for the company? You know, how can I make this person grow and develop in the right way? And that might not be here. Or it might be, you know, I have to change the way we manage them. Um, So it's all really around people. And you can only learn that through experience. So it's easy me saying this now. Yeah, (laughs) Um, I was going to say, do you feel like you had to have gone through what you have to appreciate that fully? Yeah, I mean, there's not a business owner out there that hasn't had to have a hard period with part of their team or their investors or their clients in Mm. some way (laughs) um so i think that's why i really think mastering connecting with other human beings can only be a good thing for your whole life let alone business i mean we have relationships in in so many ways like family romantic relationships business relationships so i think um i mean yeah if i'd only started learning more about that a bit earlier but I mean, yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just lastly, how much do you think luck has played a, a factor mm. in where you are now? It's a good question. It's an interesting word. you've mentioned it a few times, actually. Yeah, <laughs> so um, had, I try not to use the word luck, although I have mentioned it a couple of times. Um, I use the word coincidences a lot. And I think coincidences are amazing. And I'm actually trying to document all the random coincidences that happen. Um, I personally think that when you know what you stand for and you know what kind of a life and business you want to create things just come to you now whatever you believe like I talk about the universe like delivering stuff um things just happen and I mean everyone I've ever spoke to has things that happen like the weird thing you think about someone and they call you and you're like how the hell did that happen like (laughs) I don't understand but it did there's something else going on I don't know what it is but there's something else at play um and so I think that you have to get very clear with your intentions for stuff so like I know I write a declaration every year so this is who I'm declaring to be and what I'm declaring to do this year so it's not quite goals but they kind of are um but it's also who what kind of person I want to be and what I want to stand for and when you get really clear about that and you do the same for the business this is who we are as a company this is what we stand for things just happen like the right people turn up in your life like the right client turns up you get that random email on the exact moment you need it and mm. um, so I kind of just trust in the process I can't explain it um but I think you have to get clear on what you want and work hard towards that but then coincidences help you out if it's luck or not I don't know I don't I don't sit on the sofa going oh when is something going to drop in yeah, <laughs> the yeah, lab yeah. I think you have to get very clear on who you are and what you want and work for it but then something else happens but I can't explain it but it just does. (laughs) Passion to do good, be better and spread positivity. It's this enthusiasm and drive that has propelled Charlotte and Inkpact to where it is today and no doubt set to grow in the future. 
Thank you so much for listening. I think the key message from today's story is to remember that we're all people. We're all humans. And so learning how to connect with people on a deep human level, instead of detaching that in a business setting, can really set you apart. So I'd like to leave you with this final question. How could your business be more human? Really hope you enjoyed that. If you did, please go head over to iTunes, hit subscribe and leave us a review. It really, really helps. And as always, this podcast was brought to you by Six and Flow, the growth agency. For more information about them, head over to sixandflow.com.